This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Band Cave. Yeah, I know you just saw the Warthog. Uh, don't mess with the Warthog now. And, uh, we got a gray sky outside, which is not as bad as they got down south where all the rain hit. I did not do the naked rain dance down there, so I'm not responsible for that. But maybe the gods heard it and just dumped it on Fort Lauderdale in that area because the Everglades needed it badly. We'll talk about it at the bottom of the hour. We're in the Melton Law Studio, a great sponsor of ours. Melton Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Fighting Gators uh, that still have some more fights left before this season is over. And we're protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. Randy Elrad and John Pastore, on-the-spot cleaners, great people, r r Construction, all these fellows who take care of us, take care of them. Uh, if you got to drive an extra mile to go to the cleaners, go there. They're well worth it. Well, uh, good morning, everybody, and good morning from Mexico, where the Whitakers are watching. And um, Brenda Dolwick, great supporter, Ken Hillier. Up in hot Atlanta. Okay. Well, Dance Alive and I got to thinking about Thursday. Next Thursday would have been Thanksgiving, and we would not have been able to chat with Dance Alive. There's so much going on with this organization that if I go away for a few weeks, wow, a lot more things have happened. <laughs> I have got the artistic director, the executive director, the energizer bunny, the brain <laughs> behind the whole thing. I don't know where she gets the energy. Plus, to manage all these artistic personalities is a whole <laughs> thing we never talk about. My <laughs> God. All the women think they're the only woman, and all the men think they're macho men. So what are you going to do with that? And she manages to handle that quite nicely. Uh, we've got a lot of things going on. So, Kim, we got time, as much time as you want. Spin the yarn. Where do you start? I mean, I left off. Where? Well, I think the first thing we need to say is that we're doing Nutcracker in Alachua this weekend, Saturday, at Legacy Park. It's at 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. It is family-friendly. It is free. The city of Gainesville, uh, city of Alachua is sponsoring it. Legacy Park is sponsoring it. Uh, PNC Foundation, Rays of Hope and Radiant Credit Union, uh, the Corey family uh, at Fortis. It's just... Uh, we have so many people that are behind us in Alachua and um, supporting us. We have a wonderful outreach program. We we uh, have classes, after school programs for students that um, want to take it. Uh, some of them are underserved. Some of them are not. Some of them uh, are special needs children. It's just a wonderful after school program uh, that's held at Legacy Park. Uh, Emily Pozek Dixon is our director and she's on maternity leave. And Allison Tucker has been um, teaching the classes and doing the choreography. And the students will be presenting a 
a dance, a performance during the intermission of the two o'clock Nutcracker. That's this Saturday. And we have these children. It's going to be a really exciting time for them. And you'll be able to see, I think we have about 40 of them. You'll be able to see what they've accomplished in just a six-week program. And then uh, in the evening, um, Damon Messina, who's the director of Legacy Park, said, Kim, let's just go ahead and, and really do it up. Let's have the senior cha-cha group perform during intermission. As long as we're having people from Alachua, you know, participating, let's do it do it all the way. So the senior cha-cha group is going to be performing during intermission. It's not really a full, full, full nutcracker. It's slightly abbreviated. So um, there won't be an intermission. This is a lot of the children just, you know, it's not what they want to do is stay for two hours, you know. So um, it's going to be a little over an hour and uh, no intermission. We just have these uh, small groups doing little performances to uh, bring everybody in and make it a real family tradition. I think it's exciting that we have had, I think, the fourth year that we've done Nutcracker here in Alachua. Thank you, Ward, for really starting the whole process. And um, it's just the outreach program has just grown and grown and grown. Uh, of course, you know, we do our Champagne Gala at Legacy Park and we have a Dancing with the Stars and we have people from Alachua participating. Uh, we have uh, Larry Smith is participating. Kat Kamek is participating as a star. Uh, it's going to be oh, a really wow. exciting time. Yeah. Yeah. This one to, uh, this weekend's indoors, right? This is indoors. Yeah. We talked about it and two out of, of the four performances at the amphitheater, uh, one had to go inside. It's either too cold. We had somebody get injured. It was so cold last year. Uh, and then one year it rained and we couldn't even finish the performance. So right. it just has become, it's a bad time right. of year to do it outdoors. Right. So we just decided to bring it inside and start the holiday season. That's great. You know? Yep. Now, um, do you have your uh, show on? Because I heard my echo. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, do, oh. this show on? Um, oh, yeah. you need to turn that down. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Uh, I don't know here. My right production. I thought I heard my voice echo, but oh well. Let's... Don't stop talking because of me. Okay. Right? All right. Anyway, I I hear myself again. I don't hear it now. Okay. 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 Good. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Well, I that's am... the first Nutcracker. Right. I am so proud of what you just mentioned, that other dance activities are being incorporated into this. Yeah. I think that's really neat. That's, that is really featuring art. And the Nutcracker and Dance Alive is the leader of it. And the others are going to come along with it. I think it's, you know, I don't know how you feel, but I think it's fantastic. Well, you know, my philosophy, I mean, I am on a mission. I've been on a mission ever since I was a child just to bring art to people. And I think it makes you a better person. I mean, you don't find many artists that are criminals, you know, because it really makes you aspire to being a better person. Just does. Brings out the best in you if you're an artist. So I think it's it's really good for everybody, you know, to participate in the arts and has however they can you know and if it's just being exposed to it and um feeling that spirit that comes from it or participating whatever you do it makes a difference in your lives and makes you uh, just a better person that's all i can say <laughs> have to have, uh, arcing down memory lane here with don pierce my good buddy who's since passed who wrote cool hand luke um 
Don literally wrote his way out of criminality by writing. Mm -hmm. And um, there was an editor named Knox Berger who collected, quote unquote, prison talent because he believed exactly what you just said. Inside some of these places were some very talented people whose lives really got on the wrong side of the tracks. And he encouraged them. And he could tell talent when he saw it, a lot like you do. And then he would publish them. And they were obviously, Don was one of the ones who made it out in the big time with both Hollywood uh, and his work and his uh, reporting for Playboy and, and Esquire and all that. And there were others, though. And he it was named Knox Berger. And uh, these guys literally wrote their way out of prison and um, and, and didn't go back. I mean, they had they had a real, um, you know, role in life and they respected it and developed it. So that's how I met a lot of them, because uh, they would come. I would fix it so they could come to Santa Fe. You know, they, the kids could see them. And one of the funniest things, Kim, I don't want to take up too much of your time. That's good. But I brought Don Pierce and Malcolm Brawley to Santa Fe, the old Santa Fe downtown, um, which is now torn down, of course. And, and we had it in the library. And the library was packed. Well, after the, um, the the two men spoke, the students came up to the table. And I'll never forget, one of them asked, uh, where did you uh, get your education? And Malcolm Brawley looked at him and said, they had a library in San Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I just hope, you know, and I work toward that end. I mean, and that's one of the reasons that we want to build a center for the performing arts that we're working on. Um, completion should be in 2026. Uh, we should break ground anywhere between April and July this, this coming, this coming year. It's moving really it's really moving forward. We have uh, several grants that uh, are coming through uh, that are large grants. Uh, we have a lot of donations. So we've, we're at a two, $3 million mark right now in terms of income pledged. Um, and it's a $7 million project. So the first thing we have to do is purchase the property, uh, complete the purchase. We have a you know a lease for it, but uh, we have to keep getting all the permits done before we actually finish the close the deal and then when we close the deal which again will be april june something like that uh, then we can break ground so uh it's going to have three dance studios three music studios an art gallery a sculpture room um a black box theater all the admin spaces that you need dressing rooms and bathrooms a boardroom um storage facilities an outdoor event space it's a really complete uh, Center for the Arts, and people are so excited about it. Um, you know, Dance Live has a has its own core teachers. So when we are teaching at this new theater, I mean, new new space, we don't really have to search for anybody. But in terms of music, uh, I'm a pianist. I was a staff pianist at the University of Florida, and I always dreamed of having a music and dance academy. I mean, ever since I was 18, this is what I wanted to do. And because they're so interconnected. And again, you go back to, they make you better people. You know, music has been proven over and over again to make you smarter. You know, it just makes you, it makes you smarter. And so we have to have that. And dance, of course, combined with music, how can you not combine the 
too, you know. So anyway, I'll explain that later when we get into the Magic Nutcracker and the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind. That's a, that's another event that we're doing. But this particular place, we have so many people that are excited about teaching for us. Liz Graham, Kevin Sharp, uh, Raymond Chobaz, uh, Wendy and Tony Offerly, and then Wilson Tremura, who is the ambassador of these Latin American studies. He has the Jacare Brazil. That's the, 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 the Brazilian band at the University of Florida. And he's a, a trained uh, classical singer and fun, fantastic guitarist. And he said, Kim, I want to make I want to make this the center for the arts. I want to make North Florida, Gainesville, Alachua, the center for the arts, excluding the university. And yeah. So he's so excited participating in this music building. And of course, you know that you, you know, and, and your wife, Barbara, were the ones that contributed toward this art gallery that is, oh uh, gosh, I mean, I'm so excited. It also, um, Ward, I have to say, I'm excited about using outstanding artists promoting our artists that live here like margaret tolbert or or annie Pais or bill shaw people that are here you know so often people say well you have to bring art from outside i really firmly believe we have great artists here it's not quantity but it's quality that we have just like dance alive is quality just like the hippodrome we have a lot of wonderful artists here and they need to be um honored so I'm. I mean, the first thing we're going to start start in the art galleries having people like Margaret Tolbert, superb artists. You know, I only wish that our good buddy Lenny Kessel were still around. Oh, I know, I know. We have actually a work of his. Judy did a ballet based on it, and he painted these huge pieces that were on stage. I mean, huge covered the stage. Uh, she's got one in her house that just covers a whole wall. It's just he was. He was a, a Gainesville product for sure. You know, he had this sensational talent. Sensational in so many ways. What a jazz, jazz singer! A jazz singer. Yeah, he was he was a really interesting person, and uh, like Hiram Williams, his work. He's deceased, but he gave birth to so many artists in Gainesville. Absolutely, and the Smithsonian is just a great, a great artist. So we have a lot of talent, and then, and then I did want to bring up the fact that you know, music and dance are so interconnected. I was talking with Keith Perry, and of course, music is his bag. But I said, you know, when you see these students, we bust them in from Flag, uh, Florida School for the Deaf and Blind for our last rehearsal of Nutcracker in Gainesville. They sit on stage and they sit on the floor, a lot of them, so they can feel the vibrations because they can't hear the music. They can see the dance and then they can feel the music. And because, uh, because of that ability, because of that ability, they really and and the experience they had with us, they have they have a, a dance program that is thriving at Florida School for the Deaf and Blind. It is a phenomenal experience, and there is music and dance completely combined, inextricably. They can't hear the music, but they can feel it and see the dance and know what the music, you know, feels like inside. It's great. And Barbara, of course, your wife, it makes sure that all of them have little Christmas gifts. You know, yeah. appreciate that so much from her. Well, yeah, it's not it, moving when that bus pulls up. Yep. And those and, little kids get off. You know, Nutcracker is something, dancers do Nutcracker all their lives. It, they do it every single year, over and over and over, sometimes the same parts. But you never get tired of it because it it it's a time of year where you try to remember, you try to remember Um 
about being good to people, being kind to people, you know, and um, eliminate the the negativity, you know, and I think that's what we try to do. You try to do it in the arts anyway, but I think, you know, the holiday season, we all know that, you know, that's when you, you really want to express your, your deepest, best feelings. So. Well, we're talking with Kim Tuttle and delighted to have her today. We are going to uh, take anything you want to talk about. I'll look at the chat line and pass it along. Sure. And the um, Nutcracker, we've covered the city of Alachua. Uh, what's next? We got- well, we have Nutcracker in Oxford, Mississippi. Great little town. Love, love Oxford, Mississippi. I love, love it. It's wonderful. And then in Newberry That's South. The best bookstores. I know. On the we- town square there. Yeah, it's just great. Great little restaurants and everything, too. It's just, a, a, it's like one of those small towns that just has so much flavor. It's downtown is thriving, you know, beautiful, beautiful, and a huge, the, the school has a huge, beautiful stage. A and a uh, college town. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. But it also has a really good downtown. Oh, yeah. And all college towns do. And then, um, and then we are going to uh, Newberry, South Carolina, which was a stop-off point. It was like uh, one of the railroad routes, you know, in the South. So it, it has a very similar feel to Oxford, Mississippi. It's not as big a stage. It was an opera house that got transformed. And so it has all the little box seats and everything. And the the downtown, again, is a thriving small downtown that's just puts you right in the family mood. Really, really beautiful, beautiful little town. Uh, and then we're dancing at the Villages, uh, at the Sharon, at the Villages this year, uh, which is a really good, good, another beautiful little theater. I, I speak of theaters because for dancers, you know, a theater is really important. <laughs> wow. Dance yeah. on what you dance in, you know, the vibe you get from it, it all affects you as a dancer. Um, and then, of course, we have Ocala at the Riley Center. We're doing three performances there and a... Um, school show and uh, the Riley uh, has been really very much like Alactua. They have embraced us and, uh, you know, brought us in kind of as their own. Um, Erin Buss, of course, is from Ocala and she's been uh, very she's wonderful. She's wonderful. Wonderful. She's on her board and very instrumental in, in helping um, foster this. Uh, I mean, uh, I think it's Kevin, who's it? Kevin Sheely, I think, who's the CEO of the chamber, is uh, going to be Mother Ginger. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's great. We have a really good relation. And we do a huge program there for the underserved children uh, in Ocala. It's at the Mary Sue Rich Community Center. Um, we've done this as the second year. And it's, um, again, it's the way we give back because you don't really make much money off of that, right? right. It's more of a way of, of Dance Live giving back. Um we do have to make money, and that's why we need sponsorships and uh, things like that. But uh, again, the dancers, dancers, uh, it brings out the, the the better side of dancers as well. You know, when they have to give back, because dancers are performers, you have to have a bit of an ego to be a performer. Um, but on the other hand, you have to balance it out with, you know, being a giving person. You know, this this enhances and brings out the best in them too. So. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for rising to the performance. Mm-hmm. Um, getting on that stage is another commitment of energy from yourself. Um, yeah. You know, this is much like this. You know, this is kind of a stage that I'm on. And, you know, some days it just feels like 
golly, what am I going to get the energy to do this? I mean, I want to, you know, get through this hour or something. But then you get in front of the camera and you start talking about the subject. And for me, it's about teaching, um, you know, helping the people understand a little bit of the issues that are going to affect them. And if they do something about it, that's fine. If they don't, that's their problem. But um, got a question. Um, we all use the term black box. Oh, yeah. People don't know what what is that? Well, it's just a kind of a nickname for a very small theater that can be used in a different a variety of styles. It's like a, a flex space. It is a literally a box, you know, of a, of a room that's very large. Ours is going to be 60 by 60, very high. It can be transformed into a theater. It's going to have lighting equipment. Uh, we're going to have risers kind of like a Murphy bed. They're going to fold down from the wall and turn into risers that you can put back again and then have a completely open space for events, for instance. Uh, you know, birthday parties, you know, ballerina birthday parties or whatever you want to use it for. So it, it also can be used in as a certain it can be used in the round. You can see uh um just chairs on the on the round in a circle. Um you can we use it in any format, but uh, a black box theater, that's kind of a generic term for a um, just exactly what I described. You can do theater in it. You can do music in it. You can have, have poetry readings in it. You can have events in it. It's a flex space theater that has lighting capabilities and seating p- capabilities that uh, is just a flat floor that can be transformed. But it's not necessarily black walls, right? Now, the interior is usually black. Is it? Okay. It's usually black. It's usually dark. Okay. Yeah, because then there is a reason for the you name. see on stage is illuminated. Right. There's a reason for the name then. Okay. Yeah. Got that cleared up. Good. Like Riley, the Riley Center black box is all black. The the square, Scuteri, uh Theater at the Phillips Center is all black. The interior is black. It just enhances when you have a performance, the lights hit what is being performed and illuminates them, and you don't see the audience. You don't see each other. Gotcha. Gotcha. What's our next subject, Kim? Because I'm just going to let you get on the roll and go. <laughs> well, we covered Nutcracker. And then the next thing we have is, uh, I think it's uh, Annie Collier's doing a, um, she always does really interesting things. And she's doing a performance called Portraits 3. It's an in-house performance at Pofall Studios. And it's, you sit there, the dancers are doing all sorts of weird things, um, very unusual and creative. She always does unusual and creative things. Uh, we've got a couple of those shows. One is a noon show, January 26th, and one is a 6 p.m. show on Saturday, January 27th. So, um, you know, I like to foster choreographers from within. I worked with the Stuttgart Ballet and John Cranko was the director and I was only 20 years old at the time. And he produced from his school and company rather, not school, but from his company, major, major choreographers that are, are choreographing today. Yuri Killian, Netherlands Dance Theater, John Neumeyer, Berlin, uh, Billy Forsyth. Um, that's just three and they're huge and major existing choreographers and the way he did it, it he would offer them an evening performance on the theater stage with costumes and lights and orchestra and they would create their ballets and because he recognized talent creative talent um it was a more complete art it wasn't just getting on stage and dancing he was also fostering the creation which is really 
you know, what is art without creation? It's a museum. So you have to, it's a living thing that has to be constantly renewed and refreshed and created. Uh, we can do Swan Lake, right? But we also have to have these new ballets that are being created constantly to make art a living thing. So um, she's one of these people that I've said, go ahead, go for it. And then we have a couple other people in the company, uh, Jose Ramos and um, Talis Fonseca, Ribeiro Fonseca. The Brazilians have got three names, so you can't, don't know which is the middle and the end, right? And uh, and both of them have shown just super talent. Um, excited about that. And, and I'm excited about other people coming in and choreographing that uh, like Oksana Maslova, who's with Philadelphia Ballet, who worked with us and also uh, danced in, in Swan Lake last year for us. She wants She's choreographed a couple of pieces, but she wants to do more. So we want this. That's why we do rep shows. You know, we do rep shows because it offers all the dancers to be in a living, creative environment of what they do, which is dance, right? It's a living, living art form. Uh, not just performance, but creation. And so our, the next one, which is the um, the Love in the Swamp, is our rep show, what we call rep show, where there's smaller ballets, and all these people will be choreographing on that, on that program. Um, thought it was an appropriate title for the University yeah. of Florida City. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, then, um, and then we're going to close with Giselle, which is, I felt, this year I had a really good company of dancers, of girls, especially that have they have a corps de ballet like you saw in Swan Lake. It requires a really strong corps de ballet of girls. And we, you always have to have guys, but in these old ballets, there are a slew of um, girl sections, like the swans, right? And in Giselle, it's the willies. They're, they're like ghosts of, of, of um, unmarried women, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> back then it was uh, they were they were virgins, right? Uh -huh. So um, yeah. yeah. So and I think when I was looking at Swan Lake, I was looking at Carla Mancio and Sterling Baca, who are were our stars for that program, and I realized at that time that they had such a great partnership. He just came down and had one day of rehearsal. Never danced with her before. I had a good. I have a good instinct for when people are going to click and they clicked and he came with us he said i'm going to i'm going to support her that's what he said before he came he said i'm going to support her i'm going to be there for her and i realized that in life and in art when you have these partnerships it's more important than you know to support each other in dance dancers are always assigned to partners right that are right for the part like so-and-so might be good for Swan Lake or Sugar Plum Fairy or Spartacus or something. They might be right for the part. So they're assigned as parts, not as partners. And what I saw from Sterling and I saw from Carla was this huge support for each other. And I think it magnified the performance. Um, as human beings, they felt great. As a director, I was thrilled because I saw two people who are at the top of their game doing the best that they could do. And, I mean, what more could you ask, right? And supporting and liking each other. And uh, you know that in a marriage, right, or in a relationship. Support is huge. Mm -hmm. Support and trust are probably the two biggest things, you know. And 
you know, again, I'm 75 years old and every day I'm learning something new. And that's something <laughs> that, that I, Tell I, me about I it. yeah, Tell me about something it. that I, I learned, really learned, you know, um, I always listen to dancers, but, um, and you know, their likes and dislikes, but ultimately I'm the boss. And if I don't think that's the right person, even if you like that person, I have to, um, you know, exert my power, I guess you might say, right. you know, say, no, this is, I've been around. Judgment, I, I, your judgment. Yeah. The judgment. That's right. Cause I, last thing I want to do is be in a state of power. You know, that's not who I am. Judgment. Yeah. Yeah. So and judgment comes with experience and mistakes. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. And learning. And learning, learning from them. Yeah. So I've been talking with Kim Tuttle and it goes fast. Uh, we're at the bottom <laughs> of the hour and I don't want to leave anything out. So we need to go over to uh, what we're doing with, uh, we, you know, I can break when I want to. If we don't want to break, we don't have to. But uh, don't we want to talk a little bit about the magical spring activity? The Champagne Gala, absolutely. I know that probably some of your, your um, you know, your listeners have heard about this before. But as we get closer and we start working with the stars, I mean, there are people like Larry Smith, an Alachua person, who's already bought five tables. You have to come see this guy dance. He is so excited about this company. He is so excited about um, what we're doing and what we're doing for Alachua that he's really putting his money where his mouth is, right? And so many of these people are doing it. One of our our judges, and I'll bring this up, Lisa Nimi Swayze, Patrick Swayze's widow. She lives in Reddick. She saw the company perform a year ago. She wants to support this company. She's coming up to be a judge. Um, uh, like I said, Kat Kamek is, is uh, participating. Uh, I've been working with about seven so far. Some of them don't want to start working until January. Some of them are petrified and need to work now. I can tell you, Damon Messina is one of the stars. Yeah. Legacy Park director. And... Um, he wants to have some of the students from the Dance About program with him. He's not exactly uh, the most eager to perform, but he's doing it, you know, for Alachua and for Dance Alive. So, <laughs> but he's supported. He's got those dancers with him. You know, it's 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 bringing a, a new face to to what we do. It's always changing, right? Because art is always changing and growing. You never want to be static. Yeah. And. Um, I guess that's pretty much what I have to say. Spurrier's Gridiron Grill is going to be uh, doing the catering. We love them. Garden Grace of Florals. Uh, Elio Piedra is going to be our DJ. Paris Dance is our sponsor. They are the ones that always give us the wonderful coaches that make the dancing wonderful. Philippe Marcel is doing photography. Um, I think that's about it, really, in terms of that. You need to come. It is March 30th. It is Easter weekend, but so far we've had nobody say that's a conflict. Um, it starts at 530 because we have a live auction as well and a, and a silent auction. So you have an opportunity to come, look at things, study them, see what you want. And then we have the stars performance, which takes quite a while. But then we also have dancing and food for everyone. You know, so we're, we're starting a little earlier, 530, and we're ending at 11. So it really is a, a full evening. The dancing usually starts around 7, the performance, the stars. But you can come, you can eat, you can auction, you can do whatever you want to. You can dance. It's a we give really good parties. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, you've really got some people put together now, uh, from Spurriers to Ilio uh, to Larry. That's quite a bunch of dots to connect, and uh, so it's come a really long. It's come a long way. It certainly has. It's going to be well. It's going to become. It already is the 
uh, can't miss feature of the spring, really. I have to mention to Tara Blythe, Susanna Petty is our chair, but she's kind of handed the, the, the reins over to Tara Blythe. And Tara has just been hugely instrumental in getting all these stars and motivating them. They already have all their pictures taken. Uh, really? they've had, yeah. Some of them are jumping in the air and catching their, them in flight. I mean, they're, wow. She's had a couple of meetings at, at Susanna's bed and breakfast to just like get excited about it. Uh, yeah, Tara Blythe has done that. And Tara Blythe's husband, James Blythe, is the architect. He's with Level Designs. What is it? Level 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 Architecture and Interiors. That's the full name. And he, James Blythe is the architect for this. Uh, and he has provided the original plans, not the complete plans, but the original plans pro bono. We have people that support us. And you you can't you can't give enough to us. You know, you you can't, anything is a lot. We had, uh, we have $80,000 worth of doors donated. doesn't have to be. Really? Yeah. I mean, things will cut down on the cost. Sometimes that are not as much cost to the donors, you know? So um, yeah, it's, it's amazing what we've gotten donated and well, and, and the, and the support we've gotten from people. Everybody's for it. And Everybody's for this dance company. It just seems to be moving along in such a great way. Well, thank you. It's always a joy to talk to you and uh, hope you have an equally eventful morning and the rest of the day. I know you will. And uh, we'll talk sometime soon, I hope. And come Saturday, 2 and 7 at Legacy Park for Nutcracker. Free. All right. Free. Free. There you go. (laughs) We're going to take a break now for Ward's Weather. We'll be right back in just a moment. Thanks, Ward. Okay. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. The Kiera Grace Foundation proudly presents An Evening with Tim Tebow, Thursday, November 30th at the Touchdown Terrace at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Experience a once-in-a-lifetime VIP meet-and-greet with Tim. Hear his heartfelt stories and his unyielding dedication to the most vulnerable. With your support, we can extend the reach of the Kiera Grace Foundation to save precious lives in Latin America. Get your ticket before they sell out. Don't miss your chance to meet Tim Tebow, be inspired, and make a tangible difference. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. 
Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Wards of Weather, by golly, brought to you by Wendell Lewis and Chevron Stations, a Lewis Oil. Well, 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 it's pretty mild right here right now in north central Florida where we are, around 70 degrees. But I have to report that in southeastern Florida, um, there are risks of flash flood dangers, and they'll be there for quite a while. Um, the atmosphere down there uh, unleashed a lot of rain, two to six inches of rain Tuesday evening. Uh, then the Miami International Airport, picking up an additional almost eight inches, and we have got a flood watch for that region. It is really not over. Uh, the rainfall is from this storm in the Gulf of Mexico that we've been watching that never really became a hurricane. But you know how it goes. Uh, this storm moved from west to east across the peninsula, uh, and it's going to be bringing with it uh, moisture from the Caribbean. So, Hunker down a little bit and get ready for this. It won't be a wind event as much as it will be perhaps in some places a max of 16 inches of rain. So take care of yourself in those situations. We'll get some of it, I hope, uh, but not like that, hopefully. Well, 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 great show always with Kim Tuttle. Lots of energy. Thank God we have those type of people in our communities. I want to talk a little bit about tomorrow's show, which is uh, going to feature a uh, lady who was on exchange teaching program in China and was there for four years and has uh, lots of insights and experiences about China. And I've always been interested and what she's had to say, I've watched her post pictures of her four years in China when she was on the exchange program. And, you know, the pictures don't talk. They just show the events. And the events were always very clean and neat and smiling faces and, you know, well-behaving children. And I wondered really what else could be gleaned from those four years. So Jamie Bevan from Ocala, Marion County, uh, will be on the show tomorrow. And uh, we're going to listen to her story. I don't know anything about what she's going to say. Haven't preempted her name with her about it. 
uh, except some of the basic parameters of what it's like to uh, be in China that close to the heartbeat of the country for that long. I do know that just as we've been reporting, the culture really features teaching and learning. Jamie told me that a teacher in China is as respected as a physician here in our country. Teachers are at the top of the pedestal. Can you imagine what our culture would be like if we had that? We don't have it. We know we don't have it. So I'm very interested in that comparison. How does a country accomplish that? One of the things I do know from being my own, um, um, have my own experience in the teaching world is how old that culture is. It goes all the way back to Confucius that I'm aware of, and maybe even farther back. But Confucius and Plato and these people, and Thomas Jefferson also, had a view of education that we don't have now. And let me go through a little bit of the history of that. Because there was a time when I was in the classroom that I studied this very carefully. Let's start with Confucius. The principles of the universe are unseen. Take gravity, for example. Nobody understood that. And you get the classic thing of dropping the object and it returns. After a while, that doesn't fail. We call that a law. We can demonstrate it, but we can't see it. So we set up a laboratory uh, simulation and we see what we're talking about. That's kind of where we begin with Confucius. The principles of the universe are unseen. Only the, I don't want to say the smartest, but only the ones most dedicated, perhaps is the best way to say it, to seeing them are the Plato's and the Confucius and those who find gravity. Those principles are there, running the universe, whether we know it or not. So these people see them. How do they make that what they see available to the average person? And this is where there's a real meritocracy and hierarchy to this view of education. The ones who can't see it, how will they know to live by it? Well, the ones who can't, who can see it, set up, how shall I say this? Um, people who can demonstrate it and they become your teachers. 
So from the very, very broad, the Einsteins, for example. Einstein brings back what he sees to the teachers. The teachers then make what Einstein sees available not just to the brightest students, but the most motivated students who want to see and understand what energy equals mass times the speed of light squared means. So you have a hierarchy. You have Einstein, and then you have those beneath Einstein, and then you have those beneath them who are the brightest students. And the brightest students take those principles and go out and create a society that's based on them. The internal combustion engine, electricity, things like that come to mind. But there's a clear hierarchy. There's a clear meritocracy. And so when the average person who's not motivated or not capable of seeing the principles of the unseen principles of the universe, flips a switch in his house, the lights come on. He doesn't need to know why. He just needs to understand they will. Above him, if you will, watch this hierarchy, is somebody who can fix that light if it doesn't come on. This is a very structured society. Very structured. Thomas Jefferson said, when the country was set up, the education system should mimic this approach to education. So that everybody goes to school. But about middle school, we test to see who is capable of going on to the upper level. Those who aren't are not stigmatized. They're not talked down to. They're given alternatives that will interest them from which they can handle and improve their lives. And should they go out and become a skilled craftsman and then someday want to come back into the world of critical thinking and literature and mathematics and physics, and they can test back into it. But we don't automatically bring them along because they're not motivated to do it. They're not able to do it. And they will drag the others down. That's where we are now. How did we get there? We got there from, believe it or not, the Civil War. The South's education was based upon the Jeffersonian model. When the North won the war, the education became based on Horace Mann, the industrial process, the interchangeable parts, 
the accumulation of credits, a conveyor belt through school without any meritocracy to speak of along the way. That debacle has crept into even the college world now. The college world has been dumbed down heavily. Not only has the college world been politicized and dumbed down, it's been oversimplified. absent of real meritocracy, unless you occasionally bump into your fellow on campus who is pursuing nuclear physics. When I ran track with the club at Florida, there was a guy who ran with me who was getting a PhD in nuclear physics. He was the only guy on campus that I knew like that. The only guy. The campuses have far fewer of them now, I would suggest to you, than they did even then. Because the campuses have been propped up by the federal government. And the federal government, if it gives you money, it owns you. This is a heck of a note. That's where we are. And if you take a look at the local school board, rezoning is not going to fix underperformance. You're not going to be able to take the bright kids from quote-unquote a part of town where the parents are both educated, own their home, worry about their kids, and bust them to a part of town where that's not true and have the kids of those parents improve the performance of the kids without parents. That's not going to happen. Trust me, it's not going to happen. Bussing kids around will not improve the performance of an underperforming school. And the teachers at underperforming schools are not necessarily bad teachers. Some of these students are just being warehoused until the law says they can go wherever they go. You can't do anything with them. I'm I'm literally telling you the truth. You can't even read the newspaper to them. Well, there is no newspaper anymore, but you can't even do that. I'm very interested in what my guest tomorrow has to say about the way in which the education system is organized, how the standards are presented, and 
stories about how respected teachers are in that society. Because they sure aren't here. Now, you have to be clear on a couple of things. If you tested out of the academic track for any number of reasons, you weren't motivated or you didn't have intellectual ability, there was education available for you that would have put you in touch with skilled work of some kind. And should you ever decide you want to go back into the academic track, you could test back into it. And we have a version of this called vocational education. I think we should have much more of it. A lot more of it. We don't need to wait and put construction and all that business at Santa Fe College. We need to put that about the ninth and 10th grade. Seventh, eighth, ninth grade and start an apprenticeship. And get these kids into meaningful lives. Otherwise, what do you got? You've got aimless, restless, parentless, and in their case, lots of times it's not their fault. They're working two jobs because binomics and all this stuff, giving money away when the water is put in home. And I watch this every day get worse. And I watch this school board. It, you know, it, it's so caught up in things that don't matter. Diversity, equity, inclusion doesn't matter. Meritocracy matters. Now listen, in athletics, we do that. We don't put the 320-pound lineman at quarterback. He can't, he can't excel there. He will never succeed there. And we don't put the 200-pound quarterback, if he weighs that, on the defensive line, he'll get creamed. We don't do it in sports. Why do we do it elsewhere on the campus? The art of teaching is selection and judgment. And putting people in a place where they have a chance of succeeding and then helping them learn how to do that. So, will we ever accomplish that? I don't know. 
I see it slipping farther and farther away from it. And by the way, farther is for measurable distance. I can measure how far we're slipping away from it. Further is for abstract distance. Just a little tip for you. So tomorrow should be an interesting show. And hopefully you are curious about really the most significant institution in any culture, I would think, would be the education of your youth. Have a great day. Stay dry. Warthog Command Center out.